Welcome to the Top of Mind podcast from Altos Research. This is the show where we talk to real estate industry insiders and experts about the trends shaping the market today. Enjoy the show. Mike Simonson here. Thanks for joining me today. Welcome to the Top of Mind podcast. This is where I talk to the smartest leaders, thinkers, doers in the real estate industry. For a few years, we've been sharing the latest Altos Research market data every week in our in our weekly video series. With the Top of Mind podcast, we're looking to add more context to the discussion about what's happening in the market, what's going to happen from the leaders uh, in the industry. Every week, of course, Altos Research tracks every home for sale in the country, all the pricing, all the supply and demand, all the changes in that data, and we make it available to you before you see it in the traditional channels. People desperately need to know what's happening right now in the housing market. The market was frozen so solid last fall, and then suddenly the landscape is changing again. So everybody's worried about what might happen in 2023. So if you need to communicate about this market with your clients, your buyers and sellers, go to altosresearch.com and, and book a free consult with our team and you can learn about how to use market data in your business. But speaking of data and informing the buyers and sellers and the participants in the real estate industry, I have a terrific guest today. Selma is the chief economist for CoreLogic, the largest provider of advanced property and ownership information, analytics, and data-enabled services. Selma leads the economics team, which is responsible for analyzing, interpreting, and forecasting housing and economic trends in real estate and mortgage and insurance. We're going to talk about all of those things today. Selma has had senior economist roles at Pack Union at Trulia, the California Association of Realtors and NAR, uh, and was also a special assistant, research assistant at U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development. She frequently appears in the media, in media commenting on housing, and she also re- received the Housing Wire Women of Influence Award in 2022. Selma is one of the top experts on what's happening in the housing economy right now. CoreLogic has remarkable data to build on, and so I am very excited to talk to her. Selma, welcome. Thank you, Mike. Thanks so much for having me. It's it's really great. We haven't met before. I've I've uh, and we've worked with friends at CoreLogic for a bunch of years, and and truly at all the places you've been. But you and I haven't had spent any time yet, so this is really terrific for me. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I see your stuff on social media all the time, and so I'm glad that we're finally connecting here. Great. And before we dive into like the data and forecasting and and all those things. Tell me a little bit uh, about you and uh, your background. Like, how did you develop your expertise and, and get to be a like as prominent as you are in the in the industry? Yeah, you know, I mean, life sometimes takes you in funny directions, right? It was never my plan to to be doing this, but um, my career in real estate actually started as a real estate agent. Um, this was back in two thousand and four. I was a real estate agent in Tampa, Florida. It was after I finished my uh, master's degree in economics from uh, SUNY Buffalo and, you know, living in Buffalo, New York. I had to move down to Florida to warm up. Um, and so um, I got a real estate license there and, and I worked there for a little while. Um, so that was my entry into the market. But then I decided I really actually wanted to get my Ph.D. and I moved up uh, back halfway to Washington, D.C., 
I went to University of Maryland as a part of my studies. I did uh, a special uh, research assistant um, uh, position at, at HUD. And there I dwelled into a lot of uh, housing data that, that really allowed me to see all the opportunities that there are. I mean, I always had passion for you know, how cities grow and be what they are. You know, I, I come from Europe and, and I, you know, coming to U.S., I was trying to understand sort of why, you know, why are there not more sidewalks <laughs> in the U.S.? Or, or why do people spend more time on the streets, for example, in, in Europe than they do in the U.S.? And, but then since then, a lot of things have changed. And as part of my dissertation, I sort of looked how what's the spatial distribution of households within metropolitan areas. Um, and that was something that was very relevant at the turn of the millennium in, in year 2000, because prior to that, a lot of people were, were moving to suburbs and then starting in early 2000s, they started coming back into the cities. And so that was a really interesting time to study uh, housing. Um, and now it's similar, interesting again, because people are now moving back out to uh, suburban areas again. So. Um, but anyway, so, so that's sort of where my passion comes from for housing data. But then uh, along the way, I had a number of positions where I further learned to appreciate how to think about housing markets. You know, you mentioned in my bio, I worked for the National Association of Realtors, uh, California Association of Realtors. I worked for Pacific Union, which is, was a large brokerage in California. I worked for Trulia. And now I've been with uh, uh, CoreLogic for last uh, about three, I think it's three years, um, losing track of time, but yeah, three years. And, um, you know, I just really now appreciate having all this data at my fingertips to really dive deep and understand and sort of uh, uh, allows me to see turning points uh, as soon as they're happening in the housing market. So when we saw housing market turning in the spring of last year, we were able to see that very soon in our data. So it's, it's pretty exciting. It's, I love what I do. Yeah, that's great. Oh, that's a really terrific um, background. And I didn't know about that, uh, that about you, but the, the having the experience as having sell, sold real estate, like I've never sold real estate. I'm a, I'm a data guy. Like I'm a Silicon Valley data software guy who happened to, you know, buy an overpriced Silicon Valley house with a giant mortgage when he was 30 years old. Right. Like it's so I had to understand those things, but, but actually having, you know, done the transaction is a, is like a, that's a unique uh, viewpoint for a lot of economists. Yeah. Does it does it change how you how you interpret data sometimes? I think it helps a lot. Uh, I mean, it's particularly because I was in Florida in 2004, so leading up to the, you know, the big housing crash, and and so, you know, I I, I love to say I saw it coming, but you know, all of us like to say that. Um, but indeed, like I feel like when I was in the middle of it, and when I saw how easy it was to get mortgages and just you know some of the games at the time that were being played um and and getting multiple mortgages uh uh for one person um it, you know it was just it, there were a lot of signs out there that the market was um you know there was a lot of exuberance in the market and, and something was about to go wrong really soon yeah i mean i could say very quite confidently that i saw it happening and coming what i didn't know was what to do about it, right? Like, like, uh, you know, how do you act at that point? And, and that was the harder thing to do is like, you can see like, 
this is nuts. And we could see it in our data. We could see it in a bunch of different places, but it was like, uh, but, but the actual acting on it was, was different. Like, do you sell your house? Do you not like all of those things were kind of interesting approach. And it actually turns into, you know, where we are right now. And the turning point we had last year, we had, so we had the pandemic boom and we could see, we, we could, you could see in the beginning of the year, a slowdown was coming. It hit really hard in the second half of the year. And now we're in a space where it's like, do we see it coming still? Do I, and what do we do about it? What's, what's your view for like what the market's doing right now? Well, you know, you mentioned earlier, market is is frozen <laughs> in many ways. Um, I think, you know, uh, it's it's very challenging out there. I, I think it's very challenging for real estate agents, for mortgage lenders, you know, even for potential home buyers. Um, but, you know, as you mentioned, you know, there's some defrosting. There's some there's some signs of defrosting. I think uh, mortgage rates coming down was a huge uh, sort of boost to confidence or at least boost that we desperately needed. Um, you know, unfortunately, mortgage rates are moving in the wrong direction again. Uh, but but, you know, there is there is two sides to the story. Right. I mean, it just, you know, the persistence of inflation suggests that we as U.S. consumers are really strong. Uh, there is strong job creation out there. People um, have a lot of, you know, still have some savings. They are, um, the, their uh, debt service is really low compared to we were even prior to the pandemic or, you know, prior to even many, many years, for many years when you look back. So U.S. consumer is in a really good position, but that makes it very difficult to defrost this, uh, this current housing market situation. And then on the other hand, you know, I, I think what the big challenge is that uh, the record low mortgage rates that we saw during the pandemic uh, locked in a lot of potential home sellers. And so they're really contending with this uh, fact of, you know, giving up that mortgage rate and, and moving somewhere with, a high, you know, where they would have to use a higher mortgage rate and, and pay much higher uh, home price. And then, you know, for the for home, potential home buyers, it's the situation of, you know, do home prices go down further? You know, there is a lot of negative uh, headlines out there about where home prices are heading um, and then, you know, expectations of recession and then also just, you know, not not being able to afford for many. And then on the other hand, it's this like feeding, you know, the, this chicken and egg situation of inventory, you know, sellers don't want to sell and buyers are waiting for more inventory because, you know, there's not much out there right now. So it's, it's a, it's a challenging environment, but, um, but like I said, again, I, I think some signs of defrosting are there and I, I think we're going to see more of that as we come into spring home buying season. Okay. So you think we're going to see more defrosting? As as we like, we we do see, uh, we do see some activity, and we've talked about it. We talk about it a lot. Like we, there are definitely signs, significantly improvement over you know November and December happening this year. And you think we're going to continue that, uh, like it, it, the, like that defrosting, so to speak, the, for for maybe the next quarter? Yeah, I mean, I think it a lot depends on mortgage rates. Um, you know, I, I think we've seen how responsive buyers are to uh, declining mortgage rates. So if there is, you know, if we can hopefully turn back to the trend now back to, you know, some decline again in mortgage rates, uh, I, I think it will be, it's very promising for the housing market. 
the other thing is, you know, I, I think the frosting naturally also comes as, a, as there is seasonality is, is a function is a function of seasonality right now because uh, we are entering spring home buying season. Um, I think uh, one unique um, opportunity right now for buyers is that there is not as much competition as it was at this time last year. So for potential home buyers out there, you know, they may be in fact able to lock in, you know, to to uh, lock in that contract uh, where last year, you know, there were so many multiple uh, biddings, there was home uh, selling over, uh, exceedingly selling over the home uh, asking price. Um, and so it was a very, very challenging environment. I, I think it's a little bit less challenging for those who are able to buy. Um, and I, I, I think, you know, I, I'm more an, an optimist when it comes to things. Uh, um, and, and so I do think that there's, I do see opportunities there. Great. Well, that, and that's, a, I mean, there's so many things I want to tackle here, but, but the, uh, the home buyers having less competition now, I think is an interesting thing that, to, to note. And I've thought about it in terms of the first time home buyer, where those folks have been just getting beaten up in the buying process over the last several years. And right now, because they're not selling another house with a 3% mortgage first, they're like, they're just, they're just buying the house they're buying. And so it's like, maybe there's finally some opportunity there for those folks this year. No, absolutely. I, I agree with that. I th- and we, you know, we already see that in our data. So in our mortgage application data, we see the share of first-time home buyer increasing again because those secondary or, or uh, move-up buyers are pulling out of the market, and you know potentially, you know there's been a lot of discussion around inv- investor activity. Some of the institutional investors may be uh, uh, pulling slightly back uh, out of the market, and so I think the opportunities for first-time buyers are there more now than they were last year. I love that you can see that in your data. So it's not just, you know, Mike's hypothesis floating around. <laughs> um, uh, and, and so is it a significant move in, in the percentage of first-time home buyers that's happening this spring? It's a couple percentage points. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's um, the share of first-time home buyers actually peaked um, at least over, you know, last few years in, in our early 2021 when mortgage rates hit record lows. Um, you know, but then has been declining since. So to see that increase again uh, since last summer, I think that's a positive, uh, uh, positive uh, change in the trend. That's the yeah, for sure. That's really great, and I'm glad that we can see it in the in the data. That's really that's really terrific. Let's talk about rates for a second. So you know, it's now uh, February, late February, or when we're recording. Uh, I think. This will go out maybe March 1 when, when we get out. We, um, but rates had been declining since like early November, I think. And then, um, uh, but then some strong economic data. And, and then you know, the 10-year started climbing and mortgage rates went from like 6 to almost 7. Um, tell me about what you think about rates. Uh, t- let me just leave it there. Tell me what you think about rates and, and uh, the market. Yeah, I mean, in all honesty, forecasting mortgages is one of the most unfulfilling parts of my job because you're inevitably, you know, more than 50% time wrong. 
you know, you know, general direction, right? And, you know, general direction last year, we know mortgages were going to go up, but, you know, I don't think a lot of folks were expecting mortgages to go beyond 7%, which at some points in time they did do too. Um, so, you know, in general expectation is for mortgage rates to do come down. And, you know, and this is despite of what the Federal Reserve's actions are, is because we, you know, there's been, uh, uh, the increase in mortgage spread rate between treasuries and, and mortgage rates uh, because of these uncertainties around what the impact of the Federal Reserve's actions are going to be on the economy. Um, and so we are now seeing, you know, maybe not, you know, recession yet, uh, some talk of soft landing, at least over the next year, you know, and I think that will make investors feel a little bit more comfortable. And so we do expect uh, mortgage rates to normalize. And what that means is, you know, historically, the spread is about 170 basis points. That spread went up to, you know, 250, 300 basis points at, at the end of last year. So, you know, potentially if we see that uh, the normalization of spread coming back to 170 basis points, we'll see mortgage rates coming down. And I think that's generally what most folks um, that do forecast mortgage rates expect. Um, you know, maybe not necessarily this quarter, but, you know, later down in the year, you know, um, I think um, I was a little bit more optimistic about mortgage rates coming to closer to five and a half percent before the last two uh, economic reports came out, the job report and the inflation report. But I mean, I, I think still, you know, I think still even with, uh, you know, higher five fives, I, I, I think we could have better housing market than certainly what we had at the end of 2022. Yeah, I mean, if we're in the fives, it sure seems like people are ready to buy pretty quickly there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it seems like the demand is there in the fives. Right. No, and and I think you know, people there are buyers out there. You know, I I think if a pro what we also see in the data is the if the property is priced right, and it shows well, you know, meaning that it's not you know a fixed property that needs a whole lot of work and then it's overpriced. You know, buyers, buyers are buyers are there, and buyers will pay the asking price. Even in areas that have seen home prices decline, like you know, Bay Area, uh, uh, Bay Area has been one of the top uh, metropolitan areas with largest declines in home prices since that peak of last year. But even in the Bay Area, we do see buyers, you know, lurking out there and certainly buying properties that are priced right. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a really interesting key, and we track, for example, the percentage of homes with price reductions around the country and we can watch we watched that skyrocket last summer when when the market cooled and this year it's been dropping pretty dramatically uh you know as 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 buyers are out there as long as the home is priced right so sellers have a little bit better expectations and and when they do, then the thing moves pretty more, much more quickly. Yeah, yeah, I, I, exactly. And I, I think, you know, it's right now it's sort of in the seller's score to, you know, accept uh, the realities of the current housing markets. You know, anecdotally, I hear that sellers still expect uh, prices that, you know, were were relevant in spring of last year. And maybe that's just not an, a, a realistic expectation anymore. Right, right, right. Exactly. Interesting. OK, so does does your team at CoreLogic, we talked a little bit about interest rate, mortgage rate forecasting. Do you uh, do you do recession and inflation kind of forecasting? Like, do you have outlooks on 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 what we should expect there? 
Uh, no, we don't do forecasts for inflation or, or the recession. We do, uh, I mean, we have a general um, stance on it, you know, what we, what we believe it's going to happen, but we don't do, we use outside sources for that. And what what is your general stance about inflation and recession for the rest of the year? Yeah, I think in terms of the inflation, I think, you know, clearly the more recent data showed it's very challenging. Uh, it's, you know, and I'm in the camp of folks that maybe, they think that recession may not come down as fast as we would like it to come. I think I'm seeing um, inflationary pressures penetrate in other types, you know, in, in larger number of services and, and, you know, especially like one thing that really brought it to my attention was when I had to uh, uh, renew my auto insurance <laughs> and my auto insurance went up by some 30, 40%. And mind you, I, I didn't do anything wrong with, you know, I, I didn't get in a car accident or anything like that. So right, right. that was a huge shock for me, uh, you know, and, and so, so, you know, I, I think inflation is going to be really hard to reel back in as fast as we'd like it to, um, which, you know, which suggests that, uh, you know, and, and con- continue continual uh, spendings, consumer spending uh, is, is going to be helping that inflation uh, pressure uh, remain strong, which means that recession, I, I don't necessarily foresee recession in this quarter, uh, even despite all the job layoffs that we've been talking about. I mean, you know, we, we follow very closely unemployment claims and just jobs in general. I mean, jobs lead to uh, home housing demand. Um, you know, it's certainly not been, uh, um, you know, represented in jobs data, those those losses, because we do have still so many job openings out there. So I think economic conditions remain relatively strong, which means inflation will be, um, you know, will, won't come down as fast as we'd like it to, to come down. So, so to summarize, you're, you have more fears on the inflation side than on the recession side this year. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that kind of uh, implies that mortgage rates will probably stay higher this year. Right, right. Yeah. You know, and this, I think my opinion on this has been sort of modified by most recent <laughs> reports. Um, and, and another report that I looked at was consumer uh, spending, credit card spending, and that jumped back up in January too. So, um, you know, I, I think the, the pullback that we saw at the end of 2022, you know, maybe temporary. And, and so um, that's kind of what led to my my change, change of heart on inflation. Yeah, I mean, it was real stark economic data several days in a row of like, man, the, the economy's going strong, jobs are strong, spending is strong, like all of those things. Uh, and, and mortgage rates responded very quickly to that. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, we talked about the mortgage application data where you can see first-time homebuyers ticking in. Is there, are there other things in, in your, your unique CoreLogic universe that you can see that help us understand maybe like mortgage rates today, I think are like 6.8% for the 30-year fixed, uh, you know, and versus 6%. Like, can, can we see thresholds? Have you noticed things like that or, or like, um, do we, do you have, are there other things in the data, in the core logic data that we should know about? Well, you know, we have such a wealth of data that sometimes even, even internally, we are, we, we can get overwhelmed with like what data source to focus 
of to focus on. Uh, but you know, one data that's usually really telling, uh, you know, and, and you mentioned that data as was it MLS data. You know, if you look at the weekly activity in MLS data, you can all, oftentimes almost instantaneously see changes or responses to to mortgage rate environment. I don't necessarily think that I can see a threshold yet. Um, because, you know, I, I think we didn't give U.S. consumers enough uh, credit uh, coming uh, into 2022. Um, I think we were already thinking that housing demand is going to uh, weaken as mortgage rates go up. But they actually, in my opinion, remained the, uh, the housing demand remained relatively strong for a relatively longer period of time in 2022 because of the strength of U.S. consumers. So, um, you know, so I, that's sort of roundabout <laughs> way of thinking about that. But, you know, we do have, you know, other data, you know, we, we have a lot of um, a property record data, uh, we have uh, permit data, we have geospatial data, we have valuations data, we have liens data, we have, uh, you know, ownership data. So, you know, we have a really comprehensive view of a property um, that's that's pretty unique for, for CoreLogic. Yeah. Did you, can you see, do you spend any time with the permit data? Yeah, I have spent some time on it. You know, I've been particularly interested in what's happening with ADUs in, in California, you know, as we think about uh, sort of alternative supply, sources of supply, uh, uh, housing supply. And so and I live in California and I'm going through ADU process, adding an ADU to my property. So I'm, I've been really interested in that. Uh, so I, I looked at that, but then also sort of um, the types of green features that are being added to homes and to what extent that uh, is um, accounted for in valuation of homes. And so we've done some analysis uh, using permit data, but um, I, I'll tell you, permit data is messy, messy data. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, do you have conclusions about ADUs? Do you have like other things that you've learned that we should know about ADUs and the alternative dwelling units? And I'm a fan, like, I, you know, I live in my uh, in, in San Francisco, right? And I like I'm a fan of density. And so ADUs as a form of density, like as is something that I'm interested in. Have you what did, what have you learned along the way about ADUs? Well, you know, ADUs, there's been a significant increase in applications for uh, ADU permits in California ever since the SB9 and SB10 over the last few years. So people definitely want to add units, you know, and they're they're open to it. I think one um one uh, uh, challenge that they're facing is, you know, understanding financing and really actually understanding the permitting per, permitting process and, and also then getting the right contractor. Um, I think, you know, the actual adding of uh, ADUs seems to be taking uh, a much longer from the from the permit to completion that that period could sometimes take a long time because there is a lot of gray areas and, and, and just, you know, just average folks don't understand necessarily how to go through all of these steps. And, and so, and if they don't have um, financing readily available, you know, it may be challenged, it may be, you know, kind of going in, in business first. Um, so, so, so that's one thing. Yeah. And do you, do you, um, the, the financing, it like, does the financing get harder this